So we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and uh, we've spoken several things concerning uh, the Holy Spirit, the fact that this is the Spirit that searches all things, yea, the deep things of God, meaning that the Spirit of God knows the mind of God, and, and by that reveals to us the mind of God, how critically important that is that we know the mind of God. This is where wisdom comes from. This is where understanding comes from. This is where knowledge and counsel comes from. It comes from us knowing the mind of God and what gives us that knowledge is the Spirit of God. We don't want to know what is the mind of man. We want to know what is the mind of God. Uh, we talked about, of course, the qualities that are produced in us through the moving and operating of the Holy Spirit. And these qualities are qualities like, uh, of course, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, uh, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, gifts of healing, the working of miracles, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, of course, the gift of faith. There are many gifts of the Spirit. There are many fruit of the Spirit. And these things are abundant in us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So there are all of the good and perfect gifts that come from God. All the good and perfect gifts, they all come from God. You can't get a good and perfect gift that doesn't come from God. And any gift that doesn't come from God is not good or perfect. But what comes from God is good and perfect. And if you want the good and perfect gifts, it's going to come from above. It's going to come from the Father of lights. And this is, of course, that glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That comes from above. How many are thankful for the Holy Ghost? Praise God. Praise God. If you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, don't let, don't let your natural body prevent the Holy Ghost from doing and being what it is designed to do and be. But let the Holy Ghost be all that God designs His Spirit in us to be. And our natural body is at war with that part of us. And that, that the Spirit of God that is in us and the flesh are at constant war with each other until this body be taken out of the way, till this corruptible takes on incorruption, this mortal takes on immortality. Until then, you've got flesh to fight. But the Holy Ghost, if you'll strengthen the Holy Ghost within you, if you will concentrate on the Holy Ghost, stir up the Holy Ghost, if you will let the Spirit of God operate the way the Spirit of God is designed to operate, then the Spirit of God will overcome the flesh. And you will walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So this is just a quick recap of the things we've covered. But today, we're going to talk about receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Again, we mentioned that nine received the Holy Ghost this past Sunday. We should thank God for that. And we should expect nine more this Sunday. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we're going to talk about that. And we've read from this passage of Scripture which describes the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. This is why we call ourselves Pentecostal. Uh, it's not even a word in the Bible. Pentecostal is not a word. But Pentecost is, and it just means 50. It's 50 days after the Passover. And it was fully come 50 days after 
the crucifixion of Jesus, after the resurrection of Jesus. And, and they come to this place in Jerusalem where the Lord told them to go and said to tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. And he said, you're going to receive the promise of the Father. This promise of the Father is the promise that God gave to Abraham. It's the promise that God gave to Moses. It's the promise that God gave to David. It's the promise that God gave to all of Israel. This is the promise of the Father. And now Jesus is telling his disciples, you've heard about it. You've read about it. You've believed for it. And now it is going to come up on you. And you go tarry in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now there are those who will try to tell you that the Holy Ghost, there's no real sign that you receive it. They might tell you that there's no real tarrying for it, that you just kind of have it because you believe you have it. But, the, but, but you can't go by what sounds good to your flesh. Remember, your flesh is at war against the Holy Ghost. You have to go by what the Scriptures teach. So we go to the Word of the Lord for our guidance. Because listen, folks, this is what stands when the world is on fire. They've tried to burn this book up and they can't burn it up. They've tried to shut it down. They can't shut it down. It's the word of God and when the grass withers and the flower fades, this word is going to stand forever. So we look to the word of the Lord. They go to Jerusalem and they are tarrying and waiting, seeking the promise of the Father, the long-awaited promise of God, this promise that there will be peace, this promise that there will be joy, this promise that there will be contentment, this promise that, that we will find everlasting life. And they're waiting and they're tarrying for that promise. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, now that doesn't just mean that the day of Pentecost showed up on the calendar, that the night turned to day. No, that, that actually means, it means that the day of Pentecost had arrived, but it also means that the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled. The day of Pentecost was actually coming in to the substance of what the symbol had always been teaching about it. All those many years they had been talking about the symbol of Pentecost. Now, their celebration of Pentecost was Moses receiving the law engraved in tablets of stone. But, but now they're getting ready to experience what those tablets of stone represented. Because they weren't ever supposed to just be tablets of stone. The law of God was supposed to be written on our hearts. And now on the day of Pentecost, when it is fully come, that's what's getting ready to happen. And God is getting ready to inscribe it upon their hearts. You shall not kill. So now it's not just going to be a law where they, they, they hate somebody so much and if they wouldn't go to prison, they'd take their head off. No, it's going to be written in their hearts to where not only... Are they restraining themselves from a violent act, but they actually don't hate the person? And that's why they won't kill them. And so, so this is a law written upon their hearts. It's, it's a law kept by the integrity of the heart and by the integrity of the spirit that is in the person, the spirit of God in the person, as opposed to a fleshly fallen person trying their best to keep some external commandment. And so the law is getting ready to be written on their hearts. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, when it was fully realized, they were all with one accord 
in one place. This is one of the reasons why unity is so vital. God moves when we are united with one accord in one place. The Spirit of God moves when we are with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I will tell you that, that that's the wind that moved upon the face of the waters. That's the wind that went into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. That's the wind that Ezekiel prophesied to and, they, and, they, and the, the wind filled the, the, the soldiers in the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. That This is the wind that was blowing in the top of the mulberry trees when David heard the sound of the going. There came a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues or diverse tongues, different tongues, like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now this was the sign that they had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to run through Acts chapter 2, just if you'll bear with me a little bit here. It's a really amazing story. It's the birthday of the church. It's the moment that the promise of God has, has, has come to fruition, and it's been fulfilled. And so when this happens, the Bible says there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven, and they were gathered there to see this phenomenon unfold. And what they saw amazed them, and what they heard amazed them, because they saw Galileans speaking languages that the Galileans did not know, and they knew they didn't know. The languages they were speaking were Phrygian, Pamphylian, uh, Greek. They were speaking Arabic. They were speaking uh, a number of different languages. And they hear them speaking these languages wherein these devout Jews from every nation under heaven they knew these languages, but when they hear these Galileans speak them, it blows their mind because they're speaking them fluently and they're all declaring the wonderful works of God. And this was so astounding to them that this was their question. What meaneth this? Everybody say this. That was the quest of their question. What meaneth this? I want to know what this is them speaking in all these different languages. What does this mean? And you can read that in Acts chapter uh, 2. Uh, you, you read in Acts chapter 2, they ask the question, what does this mean? What meaneth this? Verse 12, they were all amazed. They were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Now verse 13 is a different group of people. Now, these are people who don't speak multiple languages. I would have been in this group. I don't speak multiple languages. One part of the group spoke multiple languages. And when they heard the Galileans speak, they're like, their mind is just like blown. But now there's another group, and they don't speak multiple languages, and they see a bunch of people just kind of stumbling and, and staggering and, and speaking. And if you've ever seen an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, people shake sometimes. They fall out sometimes. They, they get emotional sometimes. And this other group looked at that and they were like, oh, I know exactly what this is. I've seen this before. They're drunk. No other explanation. They're drunk. And the Bible says, others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, said unto them, 
Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken to my words. If we could put Acts 2, 14 uh, up onto the screen. Be it known unto you and hearken to my words. Verse 15, these are not drunken as ye suppose. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day. He's talking to the group that thought they were intoxicated. These men are not drunken as you suppose. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now he looks at the group that asked the question, what meaneth this? And he's going to answer that question. I'm going to tell you what this means. Everybody say this. Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Saying, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Peter stands up there in front of everybody and says, this speaking in tongues that has so confounded you and astounded you, this is the fulfillment of that ancient prophecy that the prophet Joel prophesied that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. That's what you're seeing. So Peter was linking speaking in tongues with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know that the two are inseparable. They are linked. And there's a reason why they're linked. It's, it's not a legalism thing. It's not somebody saying that you better do this or else. No, there's a strategy of God behind filling someone with the Holy Ghost and the first thing that he gets a hold of is their tongue. There's a, the Bible says a lot about the tongue and we're going we're gonna to get into that. But let's continue on because in Acts chapter 2, when they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, this was the Holy Ghost being poured out upon the Jews. Okay? It came to the Jew first because it was, it was promised to the Jew first. And, but it wasn't going to stay with the Jews. It was never supposed to remain with just one group of people. God is no respecter of persons. And this is, laid, this is laid out clearly in the scriptures that there is no one group of people that God has more respect for than another group of people. God wants all people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I loved what Brother Robinette said this last Sunday while he was preaching. It was said so well. He said, God is pouring out the Holy Ghost upon everybody because the Lord is going to lead people through the Holy Ghost into all truth. And that's what the Bible says. That the Holy Ghost is going to lead you and guide you into all truth. So there are people who have received the Holy Ghost. And, and we, we're going to get into the way the Jews kind of looked at this, but sometimes we who've had the Holy Ghost for a little while, we might look at that and say, well, why is God filling them with the Holy Ghost? They don't even have full truth. Well, that's, that's why God filled them with the Holy Ghost. He wasn't waiting for them to get full truth. He's filling them with the Holy Ghost so we can lead them into full truth. Hallelujah. We ought to thank God every time the Holy Ghost is poured out. We ought to give God praise every time that the Spirit of the Lord is poured out upon people. So we go to the book of Acts chapter 8. This, this account of people receiving the Holy Ghost is the Samaritans. Now the Samaritans were part Jewish. And they were not completely accepted by the Jews because they were only part Jewish. And so they... They, there, was a, there was a rivalry, there was a friction, there was a constant tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. But God, again, the reason God elevated the Jewish people was not because he was a respecter of persons, 
but because he is going to lift this people into covenant with him so that all the world can see what a blessed people look like. That's why, that's why God arranged it for Nebuchadnezzar to see a fourth man in the fire. This is why God arranged it for Nebuchadnezzar to see Daniel and, his, and, and, and the other Hebrew captives not eat the king's meat and be blessed and healthy and prosperous because they followed the ways of God. This is why in whatever sphere you find yourself, whatever work environment, whatever family environment, when God has poured his spirit out upon you, washed you in the precious blood of the lamb, you ought to let God put his light so deeply inside of you and let it burn so fervently that everybody can see the blessing of God upon your life. You don't act like other people act. You don't participate in what other people participate in. You don't, you don't, you don't look the way other people look. You don't, you don't react the way everybody else reacts. Why? Because you're a blessed people. You're a covenant people. And so the Jews were a covenant people, but it was to start with them and expand beyond them. And so now it has moved to the Samaritans. It's, it's inching its way out of just being confined to the Jewish people who have received the Holy Ghost. And that's, that was Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what the Lord told, the, uh, what told his disciples. He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth, and that includes Cincinnati, Ohio. Amen. That includes Orlando, Florida. Under the uttermost parts. We're here today because of the witnesses that have come forth from his presence. And guess what? That's who we are now. We are witnesses that the Holy Ghost is real. We are witnesses that the power is true. We are witnesses that the word of God is right. And it's the rock upon which we can place our feet. Amen. And stand through every test and trial. So it comes to the Samaritan people in Acts chapter 8. And I want to, I want to uh, just uh, uh, bring to you what, what, what really took place there. Philip went down in verse 5 to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. That's what you're going to find in every one of these passages where the Holy Ghost is poured out. Jesus is preached. Jesus is preached. And so you've heard me say it before, but we preach Jesus. That's what we preach. We preach Jesus. My grandfather was preaching a revival in Idaho as a young man and uh, there were no results there were just nothing was coming from the revival nobody was getting the Holy Ghost nobody was getting healed nobody was getting baptized he felt like he felt like he was failing really and and so he called his uh, father Andrew Urshan a great pioneer of the gospel and he said dad I don't know what's wrong he said we're not breaking through in this revival he said well son are you are you praying he said well yeah I'm praying he said, are you fasting? He said, yes, I'm fasting. He said, are you, are you studying the scriptures? He said, yes, I'm studying the scriptures. He said, are you making sure to be anointed when you step into the pulpit? I feel anointed. He said, well, then there's only one thing to do. Preach Jesus. Preach Jesus. He said, okay, I'll preach Jesus tonight. What do I preach tomorrow night? Preach Jesus again. What do I preach the next? Preach Jesus again. You preach Jesus and, and the results will follow. And this is what happened in Acts chapter 2. Peter was preaching Jesus 
And God added 3,000 souls to the church. Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to Samaria and he was preaching Christ unto them. And the people, here verse number 6, here's a familiar phrasing. The people with one accord, unity, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. Many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. There was a certain man called Simon. He was a sorcerer, and he used that sorcery to bewitch the people, telling them that he was of some, he was some great one. And, and they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying that this man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip concerning preaching the things, concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon, the sorcerer, Simon, the witch doctor, Simon, the fortune teller, Simon, the, 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 the man who had bewitched the people, he himself believed and he was baptized. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet, and this is important because there are many people who believe that if you, if you believe, then that means you've received the Holy Ghost. But those are two different things. Verse 16, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. Okay? That's an important moment there. Simon is looking and watching and observing, and he sees there is a visual observation that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. This means it was not an invisible transaction. There was a visible manifestation that the Holy Ghost was in fact poured out upon the people. And this in Acts chapter 2, they spoke with tongues. Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19 are the other references that describes what happens when a person receives the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 8 does not give us the exact details, but it does let us know in verse 18 that Simon saw it. That through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money. And uh, he wanted that power. He said, give this to me that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Peter said, your money perish with you. I perceive you were in the uh, uh, bond of iniquity, the gall of bitterness. And, and he rebuked him. And Simon said, he repented. He said, don't let any of this. Pray the Lord will put none of this upon me that you have described. That was to the Samaritans. Now, meanwhile, there is a man. He is of the Italian band. He's a centurion. His name is Cornelius. And he is praying to God. And his prayers have come up to God as memorials. God is dealing with people all across the world. 
just as he did in Acts chapter 10, a man by the name of Cornelius. This man was a devout man. Verse number one, he was a, he was a in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now listen, there are many people who would look at that description and say, he's already saved because he's a devout man. He fears God. He's given much alms to the people. He prays to God always. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, this guy's got a pretty strong resume. But God wanted to save his soul because our best deeds are not good enough to save us. We need the Holy Ghost. We need to have our sins washed away in the blood of the Lamb. And so we can't get into the habit of just looking at the goodness of people and thinking that they are where they need to be. He was a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, prayed to God always. The Bible says that a man stood before him. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and is standing before him in bright clothing and begins to tell him, there's a man named Simon, Simon Peter, and he is, you need to go send for him because he's going to come and he's going to show you the way of salvation. And, and the scripture says that he did. He sent his servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. When he declared all of these things unto them, they sent them to Joppa when they were on their journey. Uh, on their way to Joppa, the Bible says that Peter went up to the housetop to pray. So Peter walks into the house and the Bible says that they're preparing dinner. And while they're preparing dinner, Peter uh, is hungry and he's waiting for dinner to be prepared. Anybody ever been there before? Walk into the house, you smell dinner simmering, you're hungry, you, you, could, you almost ate the dashboard on the way home. You're starving. Uh, but you get in, you got 30 minutes before dinner is prepared. That's where Peter was. And so he had what we call spare time. What do you do with your spare time? I'll tell you what we do in 2023 with our spare time. This is what we do in 2023 with our spare time. We scroll through social media. We check on the news. We fight somebody on Facebook. We... We get into all kinds of whatever you can find on this gadget. We spend and waste, I say waste so much time on uh, social media and the internet in 2023. You know what Peter did with his spare time? He went to the rooftop to pray. What would happen if the church went to the rooftop to pray? What if we took our spare time and spent it praying, spent it seeking the face of God. I wonder if God could really speak to us. And, and, and in fact, I don't wonder. I'm telling you, that's where he speaks to us. He speaks to us in prayer. So Peter goes to the rooftop and he prays. And while he's praying, the Lord lets out, uh, gives him a vision. And in the vision, he lets down a sheet from heaven. And upon this sheet are all manner of unclean beasts. And the Lord says something to this, this man who is Jewish who would never dream of eating these unclean beasts, the Lord says, rise, Peter, slay and eat. It was an unthinkable uh, command from God. 
But, but God said it. I want you to rise. I want you to slay these animals and I want you to eat them. Now, mind you, Peter is alone with God. The Bible says he was in a trance. Okay, now that trance, all that means is, is that everything was shut out. And it was just him and God in communion with one another. That's where you want to be. You want to be alone with God in communion, in prayer. That's where you're going to hear his voice. And God, God began to speak to Peter because little did Peter know, but there was a, a group of people coming that were going to say, I need to know the way of salvation. And if Peter had not been praying, he would have met the people at the door and sent them away and said, it's not for you. Because that's where his heart was. Prayer will reposition your heart to the place your heart needs to be. And, and so Peter, in a moment of prayer, alone with God, it's just Peter and God, no distraction. And even in that place of pure prayer, he argued with God. Not so, Lord. I would never dream of eating this food. God sent it again. Rise, Peter, slay and eat. Not so, Lord. Third time, rise, Peter, slay and eat. And the Lord said, he said, I cannot eat that which is common or unclean. And the Lord said, call not that which I have cleansed common or unclean. And the Lord began to reveal to Peter, I'm trying to tell you something, Peter, that the Italian band, members of the Italian band of the Roman army are on their way and I have sent them and you've got to get over yourself and you've got to get over your preconceived notions so that you can preach my gospel to them hallelujah I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why you have so much angst in your heart towards others you're not praying and communing with God and letting God soften your heart you know that God can soften your heart. Can I get on this just for a moment? You know the Bible tells us to be kind one to another. Tender hearted. Tender hearted. You know who's tender hearted? People whose hearts have been broken. That's who's tender hearted. You're still tender there. You're still tender on that part where your heart broke. It's healed, but it's a little tender. Can still feel that pain just enough that you can feel someone else's pain let yourself be able to identify with and relate to those whose hearts are broken and that's what it means to be tender hearted and and peter god's going to soften your heart and make you tender to the needs of this group that's coming. And sure enough, he comes out of the vision and there's a knock at the door. And Peter's talking to them and he, he's now waiting for them. He's expecting them. And they say, we need you to come. Peter goes to Cornelius' house. Acts chapter 10 and verse 30. Now you got to know, he's going to be heavily criticized by the Jews who have received the Holy Ghost. But don't understand that it's not meant to be confined to the Jewish people, but it's meant to spread throughout the world. And they, they've not learned that yet. They're about to. And Peter is going to be the first one to learn it. And he's there by instruction of the Lord, by vision. And he's standing there in Acts chapter 10 and verse 30, and the Bible says, Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. 
said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. Thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to you, and you have well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, we are all here, present before God, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. Yes, he's preaching Jesus. This is what we preach. This is all we preach. This is the only thing we can preach. We don't have authority to preach anything but Jesus. Preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word I say you know which was published throughout all Judea began from Galilee, the baptism which John the Baptist preached, the baptism of repentance, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him, here we get into the resurrection. Now, folks, he's preaching Jesus. He's preaching Calvary. He's preaching the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach unto the people, to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins while Peter yet spake these words. Hallelujah. Peter is just up there preaching to him, gave all the prophets witness. Peter's just up there preaching. Him God raised up the third day. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that means the Jews, that's the sign of the Abrahamic covenant, they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. They didn't know, they didn't expect this to happen. They believed in Jesus Christ. They believed in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. But they were astonished, and as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. This isn't just for the Jews, and it's not just for the Samaritans, but he's poured it out on the Gentiles. In the Jews' mind, there were three groups of people, Jews, Samaritans, and everybody else. And, and everybody else was now starting to get the Holy Ghost. And they were astonished. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 46, it's going to tell you how they knew they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them, didn't ask, didn't recommend, didn't suggest didn't gently nudge he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord praise God 
They heard them speak with tongues. And Peter said, they've received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Acts chapter 19 it came to pass in verse 1 that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples. Verse 2, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? It's possible to believe and not have the Holy Ghost. They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? And they said, Under John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. Repentance is not the end of the story. Repentance puts you in a position to receive the Holy Ghost. It puts, and, and the culmination of repentance is being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, praise God. I love the immediacy of their obedience. And, and when you're talking about believing in the Bible, you're not talking about a mental acknowledgement. You're talking about obedience. That's what, that's what belief is in the Bible, is obedience. It's when you believe to the point of obeying. That's called faith. And without works, faith is dead. So, so these people, when they heard this in verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Notice that in every one of these instances, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. And when they received the Holy Ghost, there was a visible evidence that they received the Holy Ghost. Verse 6, here's the visible evidence. When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Praise God. So we have established that when the Holy Ghost comes, the tongue, that's the first thing God gets when he fills us with the Holy Ghost. He takes control of the tongue. Now we're going to understand why that is. Let's go to the book of James. We're going to read. Actually, first, before we go to the book of James, let's go to the book of Romans. I want to read to you from Romans chapter 3. Okay, this is, what, this is where you see death. Death, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And here you're going to see death in the power of the tongue. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Now listen to his description of the unprofitable and of those that do no good. Here it is. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. All of their evil starts in their mouth, their tongue, their throat, their mouth, their lips, all the apparatus used to form words. The tongue, the lips, the mouth, the throat. And that's where evil begins in terms of its manifestation through a person. Then it moves into the action of evil. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. 
There is no fear of God before their eyes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is why God, God wants to get a hold of your tongue because your tongue is your problem. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you can get your words right, everything else follows suit. Now let's go to James chapter 3 and let's, let's look at this principle played out by the writer James. Uh, James chapter 3 deals with the same uh, uh, concept. Uh, we're looking at James chapter 3 and I want to I read to you just a few verses of scripture. Verse 2, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Okay? That word offend means to stumble. And when it says not to offend others, that doesn't, that doesn't mean not offending others doesn't mean to be uh, duplicitous with your talk, double speak, talk out of both sides of your mouth, you know, be careful so much of what everybody thinks of you that you're a chameleon. That's not what not offending people means. It means causing to stumble. That's what offense means. It's a stumbling block. So we, in many things, we stumble. If any man stumble not in word the same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body this is why God arrests the tongue before he does anything else with the rest of the body receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost is a connection from God to your body soul and spirit and and to get a hold of the body it requires him getting a hold of the tongue behold we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue. So in the same sense that that massive horse is turned by the bit in its mouth, and the rider of the horse bridles the whole body with the bit in the mouth. And in the same way that a small helm governs the direction of a mighty ship, in that very same way, even the tongue being a little member and boasteth great things, behold how great a little fire, great a matter a little fire kindleth. Now this, listen to this description of the tongue that's in your mouth. The tongue is a fire. It is a world of iniquity. The tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. It setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. Every kind of beast and a bird and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. Your tongue is more deadly than a king cobra. Your tongue is more vile and violent than a, than a, than a rattlesnake. Your tongue, my tongue. Do you know how much damage we've done with our tongues? Do you know how much hurt we've inflicted? With our tongues, the things that we've said in haste and anger and rage, and we set on fire the course of nature. 
and it controls our whole body. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't just control our body, it controls the body of Christ. And if the body of Christ will ever have a sanctified tongue, then the body of Christ is unstoppable. Get the gossip out of your mouth. Get the cursing out of your mouth. Get the slander out of your mouth. Get divisiveness out of your mouth. Get rumors out of your mouth. Hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost. Get that junk out of your mouth. It is, it is setting on fire your whole nature. It's causing strife in your family. It's causing strife in your relationships. Your tongue is. You're cursing others. Your tongue is the problem. You know what you should use your tongue to do? What they did when they received the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My throat will not be an open sepulcher. There will not be the poison of asps under my lips. My tongue will not defile this body. I will not use my tongue to curse my brother or my sister or my neighbor or even the least of these. Because when you've done it to the least of these, and I mean the least of these, and the least of these, ladies and gentlemen, it also means the least likely for you to be concerned about. I'm talking about that person that, that, that you think is your enemy. You know what the Bible says about that person you think is your enemy? Love your enemies. Bless them which persecute you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Oh, if the tongue could ever be sanctified, it changes everything. Speak the truth in love. Hallelujah. Every word of that statement is true. Speak. Open up your mouth and declare. Speak the, not a, not your, not my, the truth. We don't believe in your truth and my truth and our truth and everybody else's truth. The truth is a person and his name is Jesus. Speak the truth in love, agape, charity, the bond of perfectness. That's what God is doing when he fills you with the Holy Ghost. He's getting that tongue. No man can tame it. You can bite it till you bite it off and you can't tame it. You can't control that tongue. No man can tame the tongue. The Holy Ghost is the only power that can control your tongue. And it happens when he fills you with the Holy Ghost. You speak with other tongues. Tongues that magnify him and they're not premeditated by you. Tongues that glorify him and they're not conjured up by the lexicon of your vocabulary. They're, 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 it's the spirit in you huh, coming out of you and it's your tongue yielded to the Holy Ghost speaking and declaring and glorifying God. And I'm going to tell you something. Everybody in this building at one time in your life used to laugh at it. Be true, be, be real, be honest about it. You used to think it, used to think it sounded strange. And now you talking in tongues. Praise God. Now you, you know it's real. I'm going to tell you, even if you've never experienced it, you know it's real. 
Hallelujah. You know why God has to get a hold of your tongue? Because you don't have the words to say how great he is. Call him awesome. Go ahead. Say, somebody say, God is awesome. Well, he's more awesome than awesome. Go ahead. Call him, call him wonderful. He's more wonderful than wonderful. Call him mighty. He's mightier than mighty. Call him great. He's greater than great. I don't even know what that word is, but he does. And if I let him get a hold of my tongue, then he'll begin to describe himself the way he ought to be described. He'll begin to praise himself the way he ought to be praised. And it'll be coming out of my mouth, sanctifying my body. My body, my tongue will be lifting him to a level I don't even understand. Hallelujah. Yeah, it does matter. And this is why people all across the world are receiving the Holy Ghost and they are speaking in other tongues. And it's people who are, are the poorest of poor and the wealthiest of the wealthy. It's people of all educational uh, 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 pursuits and those who have much education, those who have very little to none. They are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost because it is being poured out upon all flesh. This isn't the time to backslide from the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This isn't the time to throw in the towel on the Holy Ghost being real. This isn't the time to think that it's old-fashioned and it's antiquated. It's real. This Pentecostal blessing is real. We who are saved and sanctified and spirit-filled and washed in the blood of the Lamb, we must not do a disservice to this generation by compromising that beautiful truth and gift and, and, and acting like it's not real and it's not for them. We can't do that. This, this is the hour they need it more than ever. They need it now more than ever. They're more confused than they've ever been. And they distrust religion more than they ever have. This is the time to stand strong and say it's real. It's real, it's real, it's real. Let me tell you how it works. It, it, you see a picture of it at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. It's the first miracle Jesus performed. And in that miracle, his mother said, they need wine. And Jesus said, eventually, he said, all right, bring me empty vessels. And they brought empty vessels. That's important. Empty vessels. That's what repentance does. It empties us. If you've not repented, repent. Repent of your sin. Repent of your wicked ways. Repent of your sinful habits. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. It's the message of John the Baptist. Repent ye therefore, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Repent of your carnality. Repent of your bitterness. Repent of your witchcraft. Repent of your stubbornness. Repent, repent of your rebellion. Repent of your worldliness. Repent. 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 Repent of the lust of the flesh. Repent of the lust of the eyes. Repent of the pride of life. Repent of the love of money. Repent. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And so the emptying of that vessel is us repenting. And then the culmination of that repentance is when we're baptized in Jesus' name, brother. 
in those waters, we had six people baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Brother Dennis, I'm still shouting about it. Baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you what happens when you're baptized in Jesus' name. You leave your old man and your name and the record of your life. You leave it in those waters. And when you come up out of that water, there's a new innocence on you. There's a new blamelessness on you. There's a purity on you. There's an, there's an emptiness Hallelujah. And you're not going to be judged by the sins you've committed because now you stand washed and clean by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Glory to God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So these empty vessels, are, they're like repentance and baptism. It's, 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 when, it's when we're emptied. And then the Bible says, he said, pour water in, which we see baptism there too. Pour water in the, in the vessels. I also see there the vessels, the vessels representing us and our soul. And as that water fills up, he said, fill it up to the brim. Because when it reaches the brim, something's going to happen. Now, you know those servants are like, no, no, we said wine. He said, I said water. Yeah, but they've asked for wine. I said, and by the way, that's not the kind of wine you go down to the liquor store and get. You hear what I'm telling you? That's, that's kosher. That's kosher stuff there. And so, so as, he's, as he's filling up this water, filling up these vessels with water, and, and they're going to reach the brim. When they reach the brim, they turn into wine. That's what happens when you receive the Holy Ghost. You're the vessel. Your praise is the water. You praise Him. This is why we tell people that are seeking the Holy Ghost, just give God all the praise. Yeah. Don't hold back. Yeah. Open up your mouth and shout it as loud as you can. God, I love you. I praise you. I worship you. Y'all, did y'all know I'm stage fright? I'm, I still get stage. I still get nervous coming up onto a platform and talking. But you watch this. I love you, Jesus. Because I'm not afraid to praise him. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to praise him. He's worthy of my praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. You fill that vessel with water. You fill it with water. I praise you, Lord. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. You keep filling it up. You keep filling it up. You're worthy. You're the alpha. You're the omega. You're the beginning. You're the ending. You're the great I am. The altogether lovely. My deliverer. My redeemer. My savior. My friend that sticks closer than a brother. You watch out because that water is about to reach the brim and when it does, you're going to speak a language you've never spoken before. Yeah. Hallelujah. You say, I'm afraid it'll just be me. Stop that. It's not going to be just you. You're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm afraid that it, what if I do it wrong and people around me know I'm doing it wrong? Stop that. Let the Holy Ghost be the Holy Ghost. Let God do what God does. Hallelujah. There's no wrong way to praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him till you run out of the words. Praise Him till you can't describe Him any better. Praise Him till you can't describe Him any greater. I call Him all I know to call Him. He's holy, but He's holier than holy. He's righteous, but He's more righteous than righteous. He's wonderful, but more wonderful than wonderful.
Let him get your tongue. Let him fill you. And when he fills you, the first thing he's going to get a hold of is that tongue. And by getting a hold of that tongue, he's going to get a hold of your whole body. And all of a sudden, your body starts to, to serve him. Hallelujah. Why? Because he has tamed the tongue. Something no man can do. Glory to God. Let the world call it crazy. They've been calling it crazy for years. And Jesus and the Apostle Paul said they would. They call it foolishness when it's actually wisdom. Hallelujah. Don't be that, don't be that young rich ruler that, that couldn't accept what it takes to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let God, let God pour out his spirit upon you. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. How many remember the day God filled you with the Holy Ghost? You know, as I was, as I was thinking about this study tonight, I, I, my mind went back to when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I was six years old, and my mother told me that day that I was going to get the Holy Ghost that night. I, I was... I remember it. We were at Grandma and Grandpa Stafford's house, and we were getting ready to go to Calvary Tabernacle, Richard Hurd Crusade. And I remember Mom saying, Joel, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. And I, 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 was, I, was, I remember I was putting food on the plate. And I said, what? <laughs> I was six years old. She said, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. And I said, you think so? Oh, yeah. We get to church that night, and Richard Hurd preached a message called What's going to happen to the kids after the rapture? And I still don't know what he said was going to happen to the kids after the rapture. I just know it wasn't going to happen to me, bless God. It was not happening to me. Hallelujah. I came down to that altar and God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Sitting on my mother's lap, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I remember the next Sunday, I was in Sunday school class and they let us out. At when service was over and I came into I ran to the sanctuary and the people all the adults were up at the front of the church praying and I ran into the middle of them and I lifted up my hands and started worshiping God because I wanted to get that feeling again I wanted to get that experience again I knew all I gotta do is lift my hands and praise him and it's gonna happen again all I gotta do is begin to lift up his name and magnify God and it's gonna happen again and again and again and I'm doing it now in 2023 and he's doing it again and again and he'll do it for you the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off Ooh, somebody stand to your feet clap your hands and lift your voice and praise him come on and praise the Lord come on and praise the Lord hallelujah we ought to fill this house with praise every chance we get to I said we ought to fill this house with praise every chance we get. Glory. Lord, let the Holy Ghost move. Lord, let the Holy Ghost move. I want somebody to come down to the front right now. God wants to pour out the Holy Ghost in this place. God wants to pour out the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, that's it. God bless you in Jesus' name. Let the Holy Ghost move right now. 
Hallelujah. Come on. If you've had it before and you want to feel it again, come on and let the Holy Ghost move right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I want some Holy Ghost filled people right now to start lifting up your hands and your voices because you know what happens. You know what happens. Peace starts flowing like a river. Joy, joy, woo! Joy starts bubbling up inside your soul. That perfect love begins to cast out fear. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I want somebody carrying a heavy load to come right now. And I want you to lift that heavy load to God. Say, Lord, I'm not, I can't carry this by myself. I've got to give it to you, Lord. I've got to give it to you, Lord. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is moving in this house. The Holy Ghost is moving in this house. <laughs> Glory. Ha, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Come on, that's it. Fill that, fill that vessel with praise. Fill that vessel with praise. Fill that vessel with praise. Come on, lift up your voice and cry unto God. Lift up your voice and cry unto God. Oh, Lord, I love you. Oh, Lord, I praise you. Lift up your name. Oh God, I praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All I want yes, Lord. is for you yes, to be glorified. I want you to be glorified. You to be lifted high. Oh, yes, Lord.
touch of the Holy Ghost. You need a touch of the Holy Ghost. Don't leave without it. Don't leave without it. Come on, all across this building, let's lift up our hands unto God. Lift up our voices unto God. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Begin to praise Him. Begin to praise Him with all of your heart. Begin to praise Him out loud. Come on, that's it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Open up your mouth and begin to declare His goodness. <laughs> declare His righteousness. Declare His holiness. Come on, that's it. I love you, Jesus. You are worthy of all my praise. There's nobody like you, Lord. I praise you. God's going to fill you. God's going to refill you. God's going to fill you to overflowing. Come on, that's it. Let that praise go. Let that praise be lifted high. Let that praise be lifted high. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'd rather be, no place 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 I